the AM at 96.9 FN. Joined this morning by none other than Mike Doherty, Mindot Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, good morning. Good to see you again. Yes. So we're we're more than halfway through with the summer construction season. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things where you suddenly you know flip the calendar and realize, wow, you know, and that's where everybody sizes up their timetables and makes sure <laughs> that uh, things are are uh, accomplished. You know, they're able to accomplish it uh, by the uh, end of October, very early November. So yeah, like clock is ticking it seems to tick faster every year that's for sure yeah so since we got together last time you guys meaning mindot went and closed the medians yes yeah that happened um just a week ago so um so they um it went a lot quicker than they you know they kind of budget in just time in case there's breakdowns or things like that but um They've removed the medians at um, County Road 44 and 7th Street on Highway 14 going west toward Byron. So um, those were were done to, to provide sort of um, a safety measure, I guess is what you, what you probably call it, is just in removing those, um, the ability to cross the median uh, from the county roads or to make those um, left turns just because those were where we um, had experienced um, serious injury, fatal crashes there through the years. Um, Homestead County's done a great job of really um, highlighting the need for an interchange there and um, their concerns about safety. And and that was kind of what we were left with after um, we had an original plan that would have provided um, a turning uh, measure from the eastbound Highway 14 to go northbound. Um, but uh, the Rochester Olmsted Council of Governments voted against that funding. So we were left, you know, with what we could still do, and that was to close the median. And And we've heard some mixed views, obviously. Um, it is inconvenience pe- people, um, but we've heard an equal number of folks, um, you know, very thankful and, and grateful that, that that option is just closed. And while it does create longer trips for people, um, they feel like it will also save lives and and reduce injuries and, and the heartache that goes with those crashes. I also, you know, to be honest, wonder if it does make for a longer trip because if you were to try to take a left turn off of 44 to head into town, you're going to have, I mean, to do it safely, you're going to have to wait quite a while. Yes. There, oftentimes you would be sitting there for, you know, with a line of vehicles waiting to make that left turn and cutting up to whatever the other road that shoots over east-west that's a little bit up the way, you know, a little bit to the north. If you planned on that, I imagine it would take maybe the same or even less. Yeah, it, I mean, it'll it'll add a little time, but yeah, I think that's and, and that's what we saw is like you'd see that collection of folks start to assemble in the median, yeah. and they were both directions, and and it just really is a you know a scary situation, um, and so that's reduced out of there. Um, I know, you know, people people will find alternate routes. We did talk to some folks that that drive bigger trucks that are on that north side on County Road 44 and they typically go north anyway um and come out at Valley High Drive and then either on East Circle and or West Circle Drive and um down to 14 or however they want to go and and yeah, um 
I think the good news is that um, there is, there has been a good strong case made for the need for um, a safer crossing there. And Olmstead County and, and MnDOT are working together right now on the design of what what that might look like. Um, I think most folks are are thinking that it'd be some sort of interchange. They haven't fully arrived at that through the process, but I think that's that's sort of the expected um, option that will probably be the most viable. Um, and then it's up to finding that funding, you know, and that's that's kind of where we've been hung up so much is is MnDOT's funding is focused on maintaining the current system we have. So there's really not options for expansion um, through the through traditional funding. So when you look down the road at Highway 14, where we expanded to four lanes from Dodge Center to Owatonna, that was through that special funding program, Corridors of Commerce. Um, I think there's hope with um, if we're able to get some matching funds um, to provide the uh, the federal infrastructure law that, that Senator Biden um, brought through, or President Biden, I'm sorry. Um, but you know, there's that there's that federal money that can can get plugged into other programs, um, and we need that matching fund. So you know, we're hopeful the the legislature will come around um, and be able to provide that. There was there was funding. Um, I think Senator Senjum noted in the the bonding bill that they were hopeful to get passed, uh, but didn't make it through uh, before the the legislative deadline. So there's hope there, but right now we're just in the design and and doing that short term close the median and. And that should, you know, kind of keep things safer for the time being. But we're not just calling it good and walking away by any means. I thought perhaps you might have won the Mega Millions jackpot from a little while ago, and you would just announce, hey, "I'll just pay for it just to get this off." The you table. know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you saw that number, and if you were truly <laughs> the only winner, good lord! I mean, that, you you could do a lot of good for a lot of things with that, and and you still could. have money left over for your your own funds. So yeah, you could you could take care of yourself and your family forever and still have a whole lot of money. Uh, Yeah. But another aspect of this corridor, the 14 corridor, you had the did you have a virtual meeting public meeting on the further to the west, the Byron area last week? Or the week before? um, uh, Yeah, further like um, over by the Cassin area, Uh, it was back in um, was it in June, maybe? Okay, so there really hasn't been anything new going on with that aspect. Yeah, yeah, and so far, um, you know, I think that's slated for like 2024 or thereabouts, um, and we'll be doing a reduced conflict intersection. Um, it's over closer to Cass, and it's on a Dodge County Road 9, I believe. Um, and there, um, you know, talking with the farmers, they were concerned about how to get through there, but they're designed in a way um, that big machinery can get through, but it's also in the timing when you decide to move your vehicles as well. And they both noted that now, like without that, they still choose to move their machinery at off peak hours, um, you know, when when there's minimal traffic um, so that they know there's they're minimizing that risk. So, um, oh, and, and you're referencing what was a County Road 3? Maybe I mixed yes, that up Yes, I was there. thinking Byron, yes. Yep, 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 sorry. Um, yeah, so we're going to get some warning signs in there this year, um, just reminding folks, you know, that traffic, cross traffic doesn't stop, you know, on the county roads, just to, for that that prompt again, if, if you get there, you stop, just remember that, you know, it's highway traffic on Highway 14. Um, and then next year, we will be building a reduced conflict intersection there where um, 
and that's where they'll it does allow for um, left turns from Highway 14 to the county road. There's an offset where you come in, um, but if you're coming from a county road, you can't try to cross to the other side. So then that's where you have to to move over to the median. There's a there's a dedicated lane there. Go up, you do a U-turn, and then you can get over onto the essentially the shoulder, and then it turns into a, a right turn lane. So um, it's kind of hard to when we discuss some of these now that there's not a necessarily a, an RCI, a reduced conflict intersection that that matches what we're building now because the the knowledge has changed. I think the closest one you could get is if you're at Highway 60 and Highway 61 over at Wabasha. So like if you're coming sure. from that side road, um, your your turn into that that median turn is basically just a slight angle. You, you're not having to drive up the road and then move over to the left. You can just basically cross the lanes and into that. Um, and people have said, oh, you, you know, you're still making us cross these lanes. And it's, well, you had to do that to get to the median when it's open. And then you're hung up on the median. Whereas these RCIs, you're mainly focused on the, the vehicles coming from, you know, behind you, the south. Yes. Um, or the on your left, you get into that median and then you can focus on the media, the, the vehicles coming the opposite way. So you you break up that decision making rather than looking to your left, looking to your right, looking, you know, you're just kind of when when the median's wide open. So, you know, it ha they have proven to be safer, but obviously they're different. You don't encounter them that frequently. So there is anxiety and, and uncertainty for people that haven't experienced those yet. Change is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Even like uh, if you look down the road, um, you know, this week we we opened the the two lane roundabout in Winona on Monday morning. Well, let's talk about that when we get back. We have to take okay. a quick break. That sounds good. Because that's, I think, the biggest roundabout you've built so far. So I'd like to hear more about that. We will return with more of MnDOT Mike, Mike Doherty, the Minnesota Department of Transportation this morning on Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health Minute. Majority from the Minnesota Department of Transportation. I'm Andy Brownell, Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Right before the break, you were going to clue us in on the brand new roundabout in Winona. Yeah, you know, and talking about, you know, where people are unfamiliar or there's something new, um, I know there was a lot of anxiety um, for folks driving, you know, at, at Highway 43 and Highway 61 there at in Winona. We we opened the the two lane roundabout um, Monday morning um, this week, and so far so good. I mean, I've I've seen a couple colleagues um, that have posted, you know, dash cam video um, or just driven and commented on Facebook and said, "Wow, amazing! I drove through it and I survived." You know, um, because there, you know, some folks were claiming doom and gloom and and you know there will be times where things get a little slower um or you'll get somebody in there that's not familiar uh but there's a you know there's good signing on how to line up you know sort of the traditional is on a two lane if you're just going to go through you're going to continue on you know get in that right lane because you can just go around and then continue out if you're going to be making sort of what would be a left turn you know get on the inside left lane so that you can curl around and then there and um, and while it's not required, we always say, you know, um, Minnesota nice, be polite, signal your turn when you're exiting that roundabout, um, because that just gives 
drivers more information on yes. what your intentions are. It also, you know, helps protect you because you're saying, hey, driver, I'm going to be going here. Um, you know, so I think it's just good. You see nowadays people that don't signal any turns. I mean, that just boggles my mind. But, um, you know, in a roundabout, that's a good good practice to do um, just to give everybody, you know, information about what you are intending to do. And then they can make, you know, their adjustments as well. It'll make the whole thing flow a lot freer because I, I, it is one of those frustrating things is when you're waiting at the yield because you think, well, perhaps this person's going to come around and go straight through. But no, then they turn right where you're at. You know, yep. I, I could have gone. Yeah. And you don't want to jump <laughs> on it and give it a lot of gas and peel out into the, you know, but you're like, OK, I've got a gap now. I got to move. And yeah. The other question I had on the 43, this is since this is obviously the biggest one you've done. You're coming off of a split four lane highway. Yep. Uh, 61, a big, busy roadway, a lot of truck traffic. Mm-hmm. What are the speeds in this roundabout? You're you're dropping from a 55 or a 60 down to what? Down to about 20, you know, 15, 20, 25, okay. um, right in there, you know, and there's warning. And then that design of the roundabout too, it's got that sort of S curve as you begin to approach. And that, that forces, I should say, most drivers um, to slow down. Um, you know, it's just a natural like, oh, there's a curve here. I'm slowing down and then you can see, and there are, you know, um, uh, speed advisory, you know, signs up that, you know, this is a good speed for it to go through it. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I think, you know, we're, you don't see like the total elimination of any crashes, but you do eliminate those right angle, high speed, um, crashes. Yeah. So if it is a crash, it's going to be a side swipe. I always say, you know, you know, the, the difference between a roundabout in those, you know, T intersections is, you know, at a T intersection, you know, your crash, somebody's going to the hospital or the mortuary um, in a roundabout, you're calling your insurance company and the you know police department to sort it out. And, and then you all get to go home. Yeah, um, that's a good point. So, and then this is just the first of what? Two, there's going to be three there, you said, before? There'll be four total. So this is the four, first. Okay. Yeah. So this this will be a two-lane, but then the others will be single-lane as you move north on Highway 43 Mankato Avenue, like along by Winona Health um, yep. and Target there. Um, those had traffic signals, and they were really outdated and ancient, and we heard a lot of folks about trying to cross, you know, four lanes of traffic, even with the, the signal there, um, and it backed up. And, you know, I think with time and once they're all open, people are going to see traffic will flow much better through there. Um, you, it will slow down, you know, during those peak periods, but they'll be able to get through because still you're not getting a lot of that cross turn. Most folks are just traveling, you know, in a line straight north or straight south. Sure. Um, and so they don't have to wait, you know, because you have that artificial weight at those lights. And I talked to a couple of guys that sat, said they worked like the overnight shifts. And they say, yeah, I would pull up to that light at like five in the morning. It yep. was so tempting because there was nothing <laughs> coming. But I dutifully waited, you know, my 45 seconds or a minute or whatever. And then I went. And But so you don't have to in a roundabout. That's the good thing. That's the funny thing about stoplights when nobody else is coming. That yeah. 
time flies except for when you're in that situation. Right. That yeah. <laughs> slows way down. You know, I wondered if uh, Kim David could ever go back and calculate how much time he sat, you know, driving in early to work, you know, before he retired <laughs> and just sitting there twiddling your thumbs waiting. And the roundabout thing is from what I can gather, and I couldn't give you percentages, but there's the love of them crowd. There's the hate them crowd. And there's the eh crowd. It's, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. I think I'm in that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, to me, they work fine. You know, I think you just go north of town there um, at 75th Street and Highway 63. Um, that was one of our earlier roundabouts. And I know there was a lot of, a lot of people were upset about that at the time. Oh, yeah. uh, and we found a lot of people it they weren't they weren't as vociferous about their approval of it after they drove through it but as they were to the opposition but you know we're hearing people you know because you think about people bringing boats and campers going up to lake city suddenly they can wheel through there rochester sand and gravel has a lot of trucks coming and going those guys aren't having to wait constantly now and worrying about pulling out in, with a truck um so it, it really worked well and and i think you know that's what our hope is here in Winona that people see that that how that'll all function well are there any similar sized roundabouts planned in the region in the future not at this time um you know i think we've got one i forget how many years ahead here it's essentially it's the new highway 63 at 75th street and 18th avenue you know if you're going up to sergeants on the north end of town yes. so that's one i i know is planned at some point but it's it's got to be a few years out um it'll it'll be a single lane though um because that's a single lane highway so we don't really have any other two-lane roundabouts at least in the planning stage even at this stage i know if you go over to uh mankato you'll you'll see uh you know a number of those and i know early on folks were anxious and and worried about it but i think overall they functioned well but yeah this is our first two lane and i'm not sure when the next one will be it they have to fit the right circumstances and, and this just happened to be that that right okay well spot. obviously i think most people think the interchange would be the best option at 14 and county 44 has there been any discussion of a two-lane roundabout for that yeah we've a couple of people have brought that up but i think it's um there's like too much volume and some you've got to it doesn't have to be equal, but, you know, at the four points coming in, you have to have some decent, you know, volume that's from the side roads as well to just make that really functional. And okay. I think so I, I think that may be something, you know, that certainly gets discussed and analyzed um, in that process. But I think in the end, at least our traffic folks, I think that has like too much traffic volume. There's a certain okay. level where it just doesn't, it just doesn't function well. Um, I just, I think I heard my whole audience breathe a sigh of relief. When yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to take a break already for news. Uh, Mindot Mike is here this morning. Mike Doherty from the Minnesota Department of Transportation. I'm Andy Brownell, and we'll be back in just a few moments on News Talk 1340 KROC AM at 96.9 FM. Children are the key to our future. Are you ready to make a change? Chester today, Mike Doherty from the Minnesota Department of Transportation, as we like to call him, Mike is with us. I'm Andy Brownell on Rochester Today. News Talk 1340 KROC AM at 96.9 FM. We're still talking about all the projects or potential projects in the region. I know 
just north of us, the 52 project is ongoing. Where are we at with that one? They're making great progress. So um, just uh, last week, um, you know, basically a, a week ago, they um, switched traffic so that now traffic is all in the northbound lanes. For a while, we were building that interchange at, at Hayter at Highway 57 and County Road 8, and they built, it's an underpass for the traffic to go under 52. And so they built the first bridge on the northbound lanes first. They've got that completed. And and I was coming through, I was coming back, um, yeah, last Thursday. And man, it was just a, like a like a beehive up or an anthill up there with all so many, you know, when they're getting close to opening traffic, it's it's an amazing thing to watch, you know, just making sure that everything was done. The the pavement was down and it was is the way they needed it. They got it striped. Um and then they moved traffic over um, that later that day, uh, or actually I think the next day, and now it's all in the northbound lane, so they can start building that that southbound bridge as well. And then they'll tie in the ramps uh, at at that time too. So it'll be, I think they're shooting for you know that mid to late October to finish that, and that that's a big milestone, you know. And I you know it's. It's exciting, but at the same time, we still have another year of construction after this. So, yeah. um, you know, don't get too it. You can get excited, but not too excited. Um, and then the bridge, the Highway 52 bridge um, southbound, uh, that's just south of Zombrota there, um, that goes over on Highway 60 East. Uh, that's, I believe, due to get finished in that um, early September, mid-September time frame. So, and I would be surprised if it's if it's done even sooner. Uh, they're they're doing paving down there. They've got some some approach panels that they put concrete on, uh, but the bridge is mainly done. And then they just do a lot of the finishing work underneath to make sure that the roadway is all set. So that'll be a good thing too. Then you'll you know right now we're kind of pinched down to single lane in both directions there. Um, that'll open that up. So we're keeping it minimal. Um, and then one thing I just thought of in my trip up north um if folks are watching as the further you get north of Cannon falls there there there's a couple instances where you're squeezed down to single lane traffic and they're building crossover lanes right now in the median and that's a, a project in our metro district but they're going to be re, they're going to start next year and they're going to be repaving um the lanes uh essentially from just north of Cannon falls all the way up to rosemount so um everybody will be you know it's and it's i believe it's concrete so they'll be moving everybody over to that one side and it'll be single lane traffic for you know a length of quite a length of time and you know as we've said before you know if you've traveled that especially on weekends um it can really bunch up and slow down so that's something it's sort of this ongoing 52 is going to be great you know in about yeah <laughs> three four years but um it's just that process getting there so Oh yeah, okay. So that that repaving is next year when your your district is still going to be repaving the southbound lanes. Yes, yeah. So we'll still okay. be doing a stretch um, south of there and then up by Cannon Falls. So people will feel a real squeeze um, on the traffic, especially next year. And then that metro project goes another year after ours, um, I believe. So and so what they're seeing right now is just that preparation work. They build those those median crossovers so that they can drive traffic from, you know, one direction and get them over in the other oh, sure. direction to go head and head. And 
it seems like we do more of that in advance and that's a good thing because then when spring starts you know they can get going instead of trying to build those crossovers and then you lose you know however many weeks it takes to do those absolutely um, so so coming up what another month a very disruptive project on the east side of rochester is that yeah it starts? yeah it's it's one of those things that it, it won't be like a, it's not a major reconstruction but they will be repaving highway 14 uh essentially over by uh from marion road you know over by cub foods there going east out to chester um so it'll be a a nice project when it's done but you know that process of you know removing the pavement getting it paved striped working on some of the um the crosswalk areas and all of that uh it's a busy area school's going to be starting you know you've got a multitude of schools over there you've got shopping um so it, it will be you know there will be traffic delays i think at times but it shouldn't be you know huge in terms of disrupting people's but it's it's one of those things i think it, you know we'll be doing a lot more outreach um you know later in the month uh reaching out to the businesses too and just letting them know what's happening but if people just plan ahead maybe it's you you leave 10 minutes earlier just to be sure you know those first few trips so you're not late for school or wherever you're headed and um and that that'll go like early september into mid late october uh to finish that up yeah i imagine the most disruptive part won't be the pavement it'll be the improvements to the actual intersection that you were discussing some of the pedestrian and um wheelchair access things that yep. are going to take place yeah they've got to close off part of a lane so then you know and like we've said you know when you're used to two lanes of traffic flowing and then you squeeze it down to one um you know delays happen so the med city mover is no more is it it's, got, it's gone we're nope we've got one month to go here so oh, that's kind was, of um oh it ends august 31st so kind of just wanted to put the plug in there that if you haven't ridden it you know i would really encourage you to do it i mean people i see a lot of social media comments um you know grumbling about this or that the delay or whatever but i i'm guessing most of them have not ridden it um and to me it's it's pretty cool because it is that you know it's part of it's a pilot project so it's been here for a year um we're wrapping up in august here and then it'll they'll look at the data lessons learned and and that will help shape future autonomous shuttles autonomous vehicle projects um you know as we get closer to actually truly autonomous vehicles traversing our our roadways but um it's kind of fun i mean it's it's neat um the attendance we've got attendance on there to just override when you know either there's something that the sensors don't recognize or uh, you know somebody pulls in front of it too quickly um but th they have a lot of good knowledge and they're great people to talk to about how it works and what they've learned and what they see from driver activity and it's it's like a 20 minute ride it's free you can pick it up um either at the rochester food co-op or at the at the gonda building on on center street there um during the weekday it runs from uh 9 to 3 p.m on weekends it runs from 9 to 5 p.m and um you know it's uh it's it's kind of a, a novelty um and you can <laughs> and the big thing is we'd like you to fill out a survey you know just to get your feedback and what they're finding is yeah i think there's been over two thousand people that have ridden it but 
the people choosing to ride it are really interested in and supportive of you know autonomous vehicle and the technology uh but you know we'd like anybody and everybody with any kind of background to ride it and and see what it's about and um you know and and i think you'll see at least this type of shuttle you know there will be a place for it will it be on our city streets you know i don't know exactly uh, i think down um, the road it will be yeah but you know obviously traversing people um from point a to point b or on a circuit um that'll be good and then Nindot's got a couple other they're they're slightly different but they're also autonomous shuttle uh vehicles coming up um white bear lake is doing a pilot project and then grand rapids i think is kicking off in a in a month or two as well or maybe they've just begun that they haven't done a lot of publicity about it yet but you know if you're out and about in those communities keep it in mind i mean it's a growing technology and mindot's trying to be part of that discussion to make sure it's shaped so it's accessible for all and it and it's safe for our roadways so will these newer demonstration projects use a newer and improved vehicle as well based upon the what they've already learned from the rochester experiment i think so and then it also depends on who the vendor is like we we used um in this one it was easy mile which was a french company that's done a lot but i don't know i don't know who the 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 other contractors is so it um you know obviously they've got their own you know knowledge that they've learned um and about the technology to improve their projects and then if if it is a different contractor then they're working different ways but you know, MinDOT as a pilot project, it's meant as research, so it's to share, you know, the the general lessons learned. It, it won't necessarily share any, you know, um, secrets of of the company or you know protected information. But right, you know, there's a lot to learn just in terms of the signals that the city of Rochester set up so that it could speak to the the vehicles. You know how construction works when a, an autonomous vehicle is working, pedestrians. You know, it was it was to run through a northern climate in a, a busy downtown metro area. So Rochester fit the bill well, and, and I think they learned some things. And, and I, I know they pushed it um, to some lower temperatures than they'd originally done it. Uh, but I don't know the complete results. I think we'll get those once the, the project is wrapped up here August 31st. Very good. We have to take another break, but we'll return with MnDOT Mike. Mike Doherty from the Minnesota Department of Transportation on Rochester Today. At News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health Minute. Transportation this morning on Rochester Today. I'm Andy Brownell, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Um, we're talking autonomous vehicle, which was electric. Yep. But I see there's some federal funds flying into the state of Minnesota regarding yep. electric vehicles for the consumer type vehicles. Yeah, I mean, that's submitting a plan to identify, you know, investments for fast charging um, along Minnesota's existing. We've got these alternative fuel corridors, I-94 and I-35. And the good thing is, you know, in our district, we're 11 county region in southeast Minnesota. um, You know, obviously there, Albert Lee is a good gateway there because it's right, you know, at I-90 and I-35. And so... They're going to be doing some outreach. I know. I don't know exactly when. Kind of getting more people's feedback, but these um, these fast charging stations are really, I think, going to be the future, um, if if possible. Because you think about your travel. You know, when you need to pull over for gas, 
you know, you pull in, you take 10 minutes or whatever, you gas up, you pay, um, and then on you go. You know, people are are accustomed to that, and that's what we're kind of. I think that's what those fast chargers are are really trying to achieve is 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 something similar to that. Whereas um, some of these other chargers, it takes a longer period of time, and and I've seen some people, you know, they they're good planners and they um, they plan their trip around that, like they're going to stop someplace and charge for right, you know, an hour or two and and stretch their legs and have a meal and uh, look at some museum or whatever the case is what's nearby and that's great but you know i think of you know the doherty family vacations and it's kind of like we, <laughs> we, we need to get to point b here and and so i think this will be good um so folks you know over in the albert lee area keep their eyes open and then i know um there's also going to be uh um uh a, it's sort of a demonstration of an autonomous vehicle um it's gonna be down in winona on august 18th as well they're doing sort of, I think they're going to do some publicity on it when it starts that week of, they're going to be going around the state kind of demonstrating how it works and giving people that opportunity to take a look, um, hear from, you know, the people involved in it, and then also just get some feedback, you know, really hear what they think uh, about it and and how it's going to, you know, it can work for them in their community and why that's a, an asset. So back to the fast chargers for those of yeah. us who've not had a lot of experience with these EVs. If you have a fast charger, how long does it take to charge up one of these? You know, I guess it depends on how far down, you know, if you feel, oh, oh, yeah. you know, so, um, but I think, you know, anywhere in that, that 30 minutes to hour. Okay. You know, so, you and know, would, the expe- think- would the expectation be, and this, I've heard the comment before. So if you put these in a rest area, let's say, it seems to me that'd be the logical place for MnDOT to put them. Mm-hmm. Um, would people have to pay for the electricity with a credit card or how would that work? That's typically how, how they are now. There's um, there's like an app that you can log into and put ah. your information in. Um, and so, you know, and, and different, different places, right now, different places charge different rates. Um, some would charge like a flat fee, you know, so... Um, and others, it's it's the incremental of how much you use, and um, and then there are some that are free. I know there was, I, at least, MnDOT's got an electric vehicle that I drive around um, a fair amount. And I was over in Red Wing, and I stopped at their charging station, and um, it was a fast charger too. It was as which the one we've got, the charger we have at MnDOT's the kind of the one you plug in and overnight it'll recharge. The um, trickle charger. <laughs> yeah, so it was amazing. I went to this public, you know, I plugged it in, walked out of this public meeting at the library uh, for a couple hours, walked back, you know, mid-evening, and it was like, wow, it's it's full again, you know, and it, but it was just more of an experience. Um, so, and I know there, at least that one, it's right by the Red Wing Shoe Company store um, in that municipal parking lot, but it's the, uh, it's the merchants, I believe, that have funded oh. that. They're seeing it as as a, a customer service, a way to, you know, encourage customers, um, people zipping up and down the river and it's a place they can charge. And then obviously while you're charging, come into our store, buy something, you know, kind of that. So. Yeah. Um, you like the EV? I mean, is I it do. enjoyable to drive? Yeah, I like it. It's got, it's got, a, it's pretty quick. It's got a lot of zip. Um, I see it. It's nice for where we're based here in our district, you know, cause then it's about, um, it's got a range of like 
235 miles or so. Okay. So I can get out and about um, most places. Um, I could see it really nice just having it around town. Like if it was, you know, just those quick trips, um, because that's where you really get the bang for your buck um, in terms of coasting. You know, that start, stop, start, stop, you know, with gas, that just eats up your gas, whereas the electric, um, it's pretty nice. And then, you know, in theory, then you'd pull in in your, your garage in the evening, plug it back in and top it off. So, yeah, it's I see some good function. I've got some friends that that have them and have traveled oh, yeah. further. And um, that always gets that's that's the thing that still gets me a little bit is when it starts getting down, even though it's not even close to empty. It's like, oh, boy, you know, do I have enough miles <laughs> to get back? Because it's not like there's a, ga- you know, there's a gas station on every corner almost there's not an electric charging station every place so that that still gets my blood pressure up a little bit that's like when you in the old days if you drove a car with a failing alternator it would be turn yes. off the air conditioner turn off everything yeah, <laughs> yeah watch the radio kind of start to die out and yeah that's happened to me <laughs> um i imagine that mindot and other state agencies are probably going to be adding more and more of these evs to their fleets as yeah, time I goes think by yeah, I think they're looking at it, you know, and that's what I've said is, um, you know, it's great, you know, because at the tradi- you know, the the protocol is if you're using vehicles in the fleet, when you return, stop at the gas pump, you you fill it up, you know, fill out your logbook. Here, it's great. You just go in the garage, plug it in, out, plug it in, and walk away, you know. And it's so. And then I, I have thought, you know, just you think of big organizations that use a lot of vehicles, a lot of gas. Um, you know, obviously you're paying for electricity, but you know, there, there is going to be some cost savings there. Um, so I think most organizations are looking at that of like, what's, you know, what's the return on investment? Is it, is it better than a gas vehicle? And in some places, you know, with the construction folks, they're going to need still the, the big pickup right. four wheel drive pickup trucks and things like that. And, uh, but you know, as electric advances, like everything, you know, we'll certainly take a look and see if it's functional and feasible to, to add to the fleet. All right, we only have about a minute and a half left. I imagine MnDOT, like everybody else, has a bunch of open positions. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. So how do you, how do you go about finding people to work for MnDOT? You know, it depends on the job, but I think um, we are you know stepping up those efforts. Whether we're out in the public, how to reach out to people, um, county fairs. You know, down in Mauer County Fair is August 9th through the fourteenth. Um, our truck station folks there in the maintenance area, they um, are out meeting and greeting people, trying to get people interested in working maintenance, working snowplow. But, you know, there's a multitude of jobs, too, if if you're an engineer or a surveyor or whatever. Um, and just make that pitch that it's a good place. Um, you know, it's uh, it's family friendly. I think it's flexible. But, yeah, everybody is is, you know, whether you're the public or private sector is looking for for good employees and. So I think if you're somebody that's looking for a, a good place to work, MnDOT's, I consider it a great place to work. You guys, I mean, it sounds fun from meeting people that you work with and some of the really innovative things that go on inside mm-hmm. your shop. You've got people thinking outside the box all the time. I like that. Yeah, it's a great it's a great place and it encourages that. And, um, and yet at the end of the day, you're about getting the job done and, and serving the public. And I think that's one thing that I think speaks to a lot of people too is, you know you're doing good work and, and people out in the public, everybody that uses a vehicle or walks or bikes or whatever, you know, they benefit from the work that we do. And that that's meaningful as well. 
Well, Mike, we are out of time. So I look forward to the next time we can get together and get updated on these projects as they get that much closer to completion. <laughs> yeah, and we, we might even touch on a little bit of winter uh, preparation oh, as well. <laughs> the evil W word. Okay. Yes. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. That's Midnight Mike, Mike Doherty, Minnesota Department of Transportation. I'm Andy Brownell, and it has been Rochester Today here at Newstock 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Almost 3 million people use Navaj to breathe better.